Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, we have asked for and received an opportunity to talk to uh, Leonard Steinhorn, a CBS political analyst, professor of communications and history at American University. He's been on the news line in the past. He's back. Good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Happy to be back. Well, I do appreciate it, Professor. So is this decided now? This trial is constitutional. The Senate decided to go ahead with it. We got the first testimony out of the way yesterday, or the opening arguments. So that is now officially decided. There won't be any more uh, decision-making about that. It's constitutionality at all. Well, the Senate voted that it is constitutional. You had all 50 Democrats and six Republicans saying this should proceed, there's nothing unconstitutional about it, that the founders never imagined that a president in the last month or weeks of office, if they did something bad, would never be held accountable. And so they were able to bring the five senators who originally voted to move ahead with the trial, or five Republicans, and they added one more because lots of people felt yesterday the Democrats were far more convincing far more compelling than anything that Donald Trump's defenders put up there. You think it's an overreach? In 1834, they uh, censured Andrew Jackson. You think that maybe censure would have been a better route to travel, Doctor? Well, censure has no sort of force of law. It basically is saying, we're censuring you. And and I think what uh, the Democrats argue, and many Republicans and many moderates and independents, is that, you know, Donald Trump cross the line with what happened on January 6th, that he urged people to go and attack the Capitol. Now, his defenders say, look, don't take him literally. It was all figurative. And if we take everything that every politician says literally, we have nobody serving in Congress or or the White House. Um, But the bottom line is this. You had, and I, I like to put it this way, you had the person empowered by Article 2 of the Constitution urging people to go and undo the work or attack the people empowered by Article One of the Constitution, the Congress. And to so many people, whether you're Democratic or Republican or Independent or Moderate or Conservative or Liberal, that's a fundamental assault on our system of government, on our democracy, on our Constitution. So the argument here is that regardless of what vote you can actually get, there's a compelling moral reason to proceed with this because of the belief that Donald Trump crossed the line and was impeached and should be convicted and then should be prevented from holding office again. Now, there is one other little sort of potential twist here, which is that if um, impeachment fails, if the conviction fails, you can still hold that censure vote and you can attach to it some wording from the 14th Amendment of the Constitution that may prohibit Donald Trump from ever serving again. So that's sort of a plan B, but I'm not so sure the Democrats want to go down that route because they ultimately think he should be convicted uh, based on the, his impeachment. But but it's a political process, and the founders of the Constitution, the framers of the Constitution, set it up as a political process. And so why should we be surprised if anything other than a political outcome results? Well, yes, it is a political process. It's a political outcome, and we should look at impeachment and conviction in that sense. I mean, if Donald Trump uh, is not going to be going to the court of law and facing criminal charges, it's, some people have argued maybe he should be charged criminally. Even Republicans have said, hey, look, take it out of the Congress, see if he gets charged criminally. But he's not going to be charged criminally. He's not going to be serving time. He's not going to be convicted in that way. So, yes, it's a political process. And so, the, you know, the Republicans argue, hey, look, he's no longer in office. 
you're now sort of going after a private individual. This is wrong. But the Democrats say he was president. He should be held accountable. And the only way the Constitution allows us to hold him accountable is through impeachment and conviction. Therefore, it is, of course, a political process, even if you use the word conviction um, associated with it. And do you agree that this is a, a proper use of the U.S. Senate, that the impeachment was sound and that the uh, trial is uh, being conducted in a manner that's consistent with what the, what the Constitution calls for? Well, you know, look, it's, it was certainly concerning um, that uh, the President of the United States um, would deny a valid election, some an election that his cyber chief and his own government uh, said was the most secure election in American history. Of course, that person was fired for saying that. So to deny that, to try to undo it, to try and get people to storm the Capitol, basically to install him as president against the will of the American people and the certified uh, elections in the in the 50 states plus the District of Columbia, um, you know, that really does cross the line. And what happened January 6th was so stunning and so shocking when you have members of Congress texting and calling people saying, this may be the last time you ever hear from me. That is a direct assault on, on the Capitol. Imagine what could have happened if some of those folks who were saying they were going to go kill Nancy Pelosi or, you know, or even Mike Pence had gotten in there and actually done something with the weapons that they brought into the Capitol. Look at the people who died um, in that assault. Police officers died. You see the images of police officers defending themselves, getting squeezed into doors. These are the same people who say they support law and order. Um, so, it, yes, it does cross the line in so many ways. Everyone has to use their own conscience and judgment as to whether they think that's enough to impeach and convict. But my own sense is I, I'm convinced by the argument that the founders of our country did not want to give any president a free pass in their final days, weeks, or even months in office and uh, not be potentially be held accountable in the only way that our political system allows them to be held accountable. I think that was compelling, a compelling argument, and most constitutional scholars agree with that. Well, Professor, looking down the road, uh, the president may face some legal jeopardy with respect to his phone call to the Secretary of State in Georgia uh, and possibly some other things. Why why not go the criminal route? Why not charge him? If he incited a riot, why not charge him? But he used the word fight, and we use that all the time. Go in there and fight and win the game. Do this and fight. You know, and it's more, it's not, not necessarily a call to violence. Yeah, and that's the argument, that it's not... Don't take him literally, take him figuratively. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's really the argument that lots of people are using in this regard. Um, but, look, the, what might happen in Georgia is a state issue. It's not a federal issue. And for a federal issue to take place, it would have to come out of the Department of Justice. Um, and I'm not so sure the Biden administration wants to go down that path of pursuing, you know, Donald Trump, you know, for inciting a riot like that in large part because they believe that that's a role of Congress. But let's also be clear about this, that, you know, impeachment is not necessarily based on strict legal um, sort of lines. It's based on fitness for office. The whole uh, idea of high crimes and misdemeanors is not to be literally crimes or misdemeanors. It's about sort of abusing your uh, uh, power, abusing your authority, crossing the line, fitness for office 
doing things that don't necessarily comport with um, how our Constitution and our democracy ought to run. So, as you said earlier, very appropriately, this is a political interpretation of what crosses the line. And the very fact that there are enough Republicans who are willing to break ranks with the most popular person in their party, Donald Trump, and with many of their own voters, um, tells you that this was troubling enough to be able to bring this up and leave it to the conscience of Congress to be able to figure out as to whether Donald Trump deserves this political repudiation called impeachment and conviction and not be allowed to run for high office again. Give us a glimpse of, last question, give us a glimpse of what's going to be happening in the days and the week ahead. Well, what will have uh, have happened now is the House managers have 16 hours to present their case, and they'll do it. They'll do it in a way that's somewhat similar to what they did yesterday by punctuating their arguments and their rhetoric and their sort of prosecutorial brief with images and visuals and testimonies and, and evidence from the indictments of many of the people who have already been sort of uh, brought before the law uh, for invading the Capitol. They'll look at all of those people who say, yes, I heard President Trump, he told me to do this, I was following his orders, I was doing what President Trump wanted me to do. So they will very methodically bring that out. And once they're done um, sort of associating Donald Trump with what happened on January 6th, and doing that with, you know, as, as I say, argument and visuals and evidence and recordings, then the Republicans, Donald Trump's team, will have a chance to be able to do that for 16 hours. And the argument that they will likely make is something that you said earlier, which is this is an issue of free speech. Um, let's, you know, interpret his speech for what it was. Don't take everything he said literally. You know, everyone has a right to free speech, and they will in all likelihood bring up examples of inflammatory rhetoric by Democrats at times and say, if you take all of this stuff literally, then virtually no one would be serving in Congress or nobody would be eligible for the White House. So that will be their argument. And then they will determine whether they bring in witnesses. That's still to be decided. So that's what we're going to be seeing in the next few days. Um, and depending on how many witnesses or if there are witnesses brought in, um, you may be seeing a vote potentially early next week as whether to convict them. And keep one other thing in mind. Mitch McConnell, the Senate minority leader, has basically told his, his colleagues in the Senate Republican caucus vote your conscience on this. McConnell has made it clear that even though he voted to, to uh, against moving ahead with this impeachment trial, he's made it clear that he's going to sit there, weigh the evidence, think seriously about it, and that he is not going to organize his caucus in any way, shape, or form to defend Donald Trump. He's saying, vote your conscience. It's clear to me that Mitch McConnell is deeply, deeply troubled by what President Trump did, and he himself said, that what he thought Donald Trump did was impeachable. So, again, keep your eyes on him. I think he's going to be a big bellwether as to what happens uh, with the ultimate vote. Well, thank you so much. Thank we you. will check in with you again. We appreciate your insights, and uh, we'll rely on you for future analysis if you'll, if you'll have us. Thank yeah, you, we'll, sir. We'll keep bugging you. Happy to do it. <laughs> hey, no problem. Keep bugging. Thank you so much. Good question. Uh-huh.